The following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. Love City Church, good morning. Y'all came to worship today. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. All right, if you'll, turn, if you'll grab your Bibles, I hope you have them. We'll have the uh, verses on the screen if not. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're going to go to the gospel according to Matthew. Matthew 13, verse 44. And while you're turning there, uh, it was the Lord's grace today because I came in with 28 pages of notes. And he helped me trim them down to about 12. So glory to God for that. <laughs> I've been excited to preach this uh, for... For several weeks now, uh, as, I've, as I've gotten into this text and the Lord's opened my eyes and my heart to, to what we're going to be in, it's, it's just floored me. And so I'm, I'm super pumped to, to be before you. I'm honored. Um, and so, so thank you for having me, Pastor Vince. Um, thank you for all that you do for this church, for leading us, for shepherding us so well. Um, I don't think there's another person I've learned more from, from the scriptures than this man. So thank you. We honor you, my brother. Thank you. So Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, Behold the words of the living and true God. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I'm going to read that one more time. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we come before you. We thank you that you are our greatest treasure. There is no hope outside of you, but in your love you have called us to yourself as your people. Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear today, eyes to see hearts that understand, Lord. We are so weak in ourselves, but you are strong, so I ask that in a mighty way you would come, that you would open blind eyes, open deaf ears, that we might see you, the risen Christ, and that we would give up all that we have to follow you and continue to follow you and to build your kingdom. We thank you that you are seated on the throne, that you're not waiting to be seated, but all power and authority is yours. And so, Lord, as we Look in your scriptures. We look in your word today. Give us grace. Be with me, Lord. Pray that I would get out of the way. I pray that only you, only you would shine. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So what are the parables and why do they matter? Pastor Vince touched touched on that last week. So a parable literally means to cast alongside something, as we learned last week. Uh, That Jesus used stories and illustrations that were put alongside truth uh, to help people. And they were used to reveal the mysteries of the kingdom, but also conceal uh, for those who, who refused to believe or thought they had all the truth they needed. And so it was, it was, there was both going on. And the parables, in a sense, separated people from those who have ears to hear and to those who are in continual unbelief. And that's why we pray, give us ears to hear, Lord. We need a work of the Spirit. This is spiritual what we're doing right now. This isn't intellectual. This isn't about knowledge. This is, a, this is spiritual. Give us ears to hear, Father. And I just want to kind of call it out right now that I, I'm praying today that if you've been running from Jesus, that today is the day of salvation for you. That today is the day you bow your knee to his lordship. And that there is a Savior who is both Lord and Christ that has been crucified for your sins. Yes, our sins separate us from God. Yes, our sins are vile in his sight. But there is a lamb who has been slain for our vile sins. And his name is Jesus. And so I'm praying today that you would see the light of the gospel. And that you would be compelled and convinced and turn to him today. That's my hope for us today. Is that we would see clearly Christ. For those of us who are in Christ... I pray that our eyes will be open even more clearly to see the victory, the true victory of our King and what he has accomplished. 
and that we'd be more zealous about others knowing him and more zealous to know him more ourselves. And so this is Jesus talking, the kingdom of the heaven, the kingdom of heaven, a treasure, a treasure, the greatest, most glorious treasure and the most worthy of treasures to give it all up for. There's a lot of treasures in the world, a lot of things to give your life for. There's only one great treasure though. His name is Jesus and it's his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And so in this parable, Jesus says the treasure is the kingdom. And that's what we're looking at today. This parable would have resonated with the people that he was talking to because many in this day buried their possessions and treasures and they would hide them in the fields. There were no banks, formal credit unions. So it was basically like, go get your shovel, all right, in the ground it goes for safekeeping. Maybe some of you still do that, I don't know. Glory to God if you do. That's what they did though. They hid their treasure in the ground, all right? Jesus now, Jesus, it's, it's important to note, he was, he was and he is a master preacher and evangelist. If you just read the Gospels, a master. If you want to know how to talk to people about Christ, go to Christ and look and see how he talked to people about him. He used present life around him that people could relate to. I think of the, the woman at the well. He sat down for a drink. He was tired. He asked her for a drink. All of a sudden, by the end... He's telling her everything she know, everything he knows about her, and he's telling her that I'm the living water, and if you drink, you'll never thirst again. He swings the physical to the spiritual. He's a master. We can learn a lot from him. Now, Jesus says here, there's a man who found a treasure. Now, maybe he was actively looking, maybe he stumbled on it, but one thing that happened was he found this treasure, and it captured his attention. And so much so, he puts the dirt back over it so he can go and sell all that he has to buy the field. I'll give an example, if you've ever been given a gift or something, right, and you're so excited, you know, maybe this person gives great gifts and you just know they're going to, they've got it. You know, you know they're going to they're gonna hook you up. So you open the gift. I don't know if this has ever happened to anybody. It's happened to me. You open the gift and you're so excited you shut it back. You're like, oh, No. You did not give me my favorite slippers. You did not do that. You close it back, right? I think that's what's going on here. I mean, uh, he's, he's gonna, he finds this treasure and he just covers it back up. He's looking, he's like, I cannot believe what I just found. The greatest treasure. So what is he gonna do? He bought the whole field. Did it take a lot to do that? Well, it says it cost him everything, right? Now we have to say this. I think it's, it's staring at us right now. Uh, does this mean you can buy your way into the kingdom of heaven? No. You, you nailed that, church. You nailed that. <laughs> can you purchase this treasure with your own resources? No. no. You got it again. You guys are on it today. I'm telling you. You're on it. Absolutely not. It takes more than money, my friends, to gain eternal entrance into the kingdom of God. None of us have enough silver, enough gold. So what, what does it take, though? The precious blood of Christ. We just sing about that. Thank you, God, for the blood of Jesus. I can gain entrance into the kingdom. I don't have enough silver. I don't have gold. I'm bankrupt. I'm bankrupt. But what does it say here? In his joy. This was not forced. This is not a forced idea upon him. He's not begrudgingly doing this. This is in his joy that this treasure has captivated his heart. And then what happens? His actions rightly follow. So because of this valuable treasure, he was willing to give up all that he had for it. And you could even say this is what he's living for. There's nothing better than you. No, there's nothing better than you. I've searched, I've searched the world. Anybody search the world? You come back, but there's one who is still there, and all you're searching, he's still there. And even now, he's waiting for you. He calls you by his grace today that you would receive him. And so we see this truth in other passages. Uh, Matthew 16, you, you might know it well. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and pick up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And he forfeits his soul. 
What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Paul in Philippians 3 says the same thing. Whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, even more than that, more than that, Paul, what's more than that? I count all things to be loss. How many things are all things? All things. Loss because of the surpassing value, this value of this treasure of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. I just count them but rubbish, refuse, dung. I could use a stronger word. That I may, what? Gain Christ, the greatest treasure. We could very well keep pressing this point. We could go on and on about it. That nothing is worth living for or having if it keeps you from Jesus compared to the surpassing value of knowing him. It's as if everything else is waste. If you're comparing right? To know Jesus to be in his kingdom is the greatest treasure. I want to ask you, do you believe this? Do you, do you, do you really believe that? I'm not even asking if you feel that. I'm saying, do you believe it? That's what God's calling us today. We need to look at this treasure of the kingdom more in depth, and this is where we're going today. That Jesus said this treasure that captured this man's heart was in joyful surrender. So by the power of God's Spirit, I pray we're all filled with this joy, captivated in our hearts at this treasure, the kingdom, and the king of this kingdom, the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is our direction. We're going to look at the kingdom. Whose kingdom is it? Who's reigning in this kingdom? And I hope you're encouraged and edified by it. So what is the kingdom? So a kingdom, by simple definition, is a territory which a king reigns from this side to that side, a piece of land, wherever it may be. If it's in the area, what I say goes. That, that, that's, what we're, that's what we're talking about here. What I say goes. There's influence, there's real power where this king is ruling and reigning. And so a king, a ruler, this preeminent position of power, authority over people by his rule, this kingdom that is this treasure is God's messianic kingdom. God's appointed Messiah and Savior will rule this kingdom. And so in the gospel according to Matthew, we see Jesus, all throughout the gospel according to Matthew, Jesus has the royal right to David's throne, that this Messiah would come from the line of King David and the tribe of Judah, and his kingdom would never end. And that Messiah was going to come save and save his people from their sins, but not just that, but to establish his kingdom and his rule and his reign. That's what the whole Old Testament is, is, is pointing to. This Messiah was coming. And so in parallel accounts in Mark, we see the term kingdom of God being used, right? And so you might, might look at Mark or Luke, you see kingdom of God. Uh, in Matthew, kingdom of heaven. Uh, you know, throughout Matthew and Mark, we, we see these used interchangeably. So I, I just want to say now, both are one and the same. We talk about the kingdom of heaven. We're really talking about the kingdom of God. These are the same things, okay? So you, you, can, use, you can use whichever one. Uh, but Matthew was grounded in the Old Testament scripture. He's grounded there. This isn't, a new, this isn't a new revelation, all right? The Old Testament, the New Testament, this is really one story. This is, this is one testimony. And both are... Uh, both are revealing who God is. And that's what the scripture is. It's God's revelation. It's this revealing. Um, and that this scripture is God-breathed. And it's the truth about reality. And his word is truth. And that's what we stand on. Is one God, one story, one revelation, one harmonious theme. This is what we stand on, is the word of God. And so Messiah is coming to save but also to rule. If, you, if, you're, if you're a note taker, uh, we're going to be looking at a lot of different scriptures. Feel free to jot down the verse you can go back to later. I, I think it will be helpful for you. Uh, Daniel chapter 7 talks about the rule and reign of the Son of Man, about 700 years before Jesus. He said, I, this is what the prophet Daniel says. He said, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven... One like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and came near before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, 
and every tongue might serve him. His dominion is an, is an everlasting dominion which will not be taken away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Amen? Jesus used son of, the Son of Man title, I would say, the most when speaking of himself. This passage in Daniel shows us what's behind the curtain of the title, Son of Man. That this one, this Son of Man, is given dominion, glory, and a kingdom to what? To reign over all in a kingdom that will never be destroyed, ever. This Messiah is coming to rule and reign, and this is a permanent fixture, my friends. There's no other kingdom, there's, no, there's nothing that's going away. This is a permanent fixture that this Son of Man will receive. Matthew 26, Jesus is on trial before he's crucified. You might remember there are false testimonies against Jesus. There's questions, accusations being thrown at him from the left and to the right. Matthew 26, verse 62, and the high priest stood up and said to him, do you not answer? What are these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest said to him, I put you under oath by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, you you yourself said it. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And he tore his robe. Blasphemy, he says. What is sitting at the right hand of God? Authority, honor coming on the clouds with the power to reign, to reign. So what is the good news of the kingdom? This good news was that he was going to come to rule and to reign over everything. That's the good news of the kingdom. He's coming to rule and to reign. Psalm 110, the most quoted verse in the New Testament from the Old Testament. Some, some have said it's God's favorite Bible verse. Might have to agree with that. It's used from Jesus and the apostles. It's all over the New Testament. What does Psalm 110 say? Yahweh, the Lord, says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies as a footstool for your feet. Yahweh will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, have dominion in the midst of your enemies. It's a powerful verse. Jot it down, Psalm 110. Go, go look at how it's used in the New Testament. We see, we, we see it in Isaiah 9. This good news of the kingdom. Popular verse. We, we, uh, we quote at Christmas. It's for all times, though. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of Yahweh of hosts will accomplish this. So why is the coming and rule of Messiah Jesus good news for the world? Well, the prophecies for the Messiah, get this, are the promises of victory. Victory. Not only the words from the apostles, but the Old Testament promises and witness this Messiah will bring forth justice to the nations, rulership and authority in the midst of enemies. Spoiler alert again, this is Jesus Christ, the one who are we singing about. The risen Lord Jesus is this Messiah King who was reigning, who was seated at God's right hand. The one who was crucified is alive forevermore. Acts chapter 2, we see the Apostle Peter preaching at Pentecost. What was his message? This Jesus, it says in Acts 2, God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this which you both see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says... The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies as a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. 
That was their message. What a message that is. Man, that'll get you pumped up, won't it? Jesus raised from the dead, exalted as both Lord and Christ, the King. I'm sporting my Jesus is King shirt today. In the resurrection of Christ, we see him subduing his enemies, disarming the rulers and the authorities. Colossians 2. Go back and read that later. Now, it's worth noting in the book of Acts, where we see the first preachings of the gospel as the Holy Spirit is poured out, thousands are coming to Christ, the church is being built, the kingdom is advancing. We see that Jesus in all of Acts, this blew my mind, in all of Acts is referred to as Savior two times. Right? We know he's Savior. He came to save. Two times in the book of Acts, he's referred to as Savior. How many times do you think he's identified as Lord? 93 times as Lord Jesus. 93 times. The apostles preached the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And enthroned, exalted, who is reigning now, the Lord Jesus Christ, seated at God's right hand with all authority, rule, and power. That was their message. An exalted, risen, powerful Savior, the Lord, 93 times. I want to make sure we get that, that he's the Lord, the King. Now, I want us to point to Christ's ascension for a moment. I don't know about you, but I don't, how often do you think of Christ ascending back to heaven after his death and resurrection. For this study, I haven't given it too much thought. We know he ascended. There's not, a, from first glance, a ton that's in there about his ascension. Not many preachers are really preaching on the ascension of Christ. But this is a defining moment in the history of the world and in heaven. Defining. It's his crowning, his coronation, where all of heaven rejoiced that for the first time, in the history of histories, there's a God-man on the throne. There's a God-man on the throne. Jesus Christ, the King of kings. I wonder what that song would have sounded like as he ascended. In his triumphant ascension, as all the hosts of heaven welcome him in his victory. Well, we were in this not too long ago. I think if we had a song that we could sing, maybe it would look something in he- like this. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who, who, is, who is the King of glory? Yahweh the Lord, strong and mighty. Yahweh the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift up yourselves, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, the King of glory? Yahweh of hosts, he is the king of glory. Selah. Pause and meditate. If that's a song we're looking for of the ascension of Christ, that might be it. Open up the doors. There's a God-man coming through. Jesus Christ. Many have this misconception. I've talked to people like this. I'm not sure where we get it, but we almost think of Jesus as God came down here as a man, and then he ascended, and he almost just went back to just being God and his humanity is, is not there anymore. Like, I'm not going to see the nails and the, and the, you know, the nail prints in the hands. Or he, I don't even know if he has a body. Like, I don't really know how to navigate that. He got, he's God. He went back up. You know, we, we read Revelation. We're not sure what to do with it. Um, but he is the God man forever. That God and man, he took on this other nature. That though being fully God, he took on this nature of humanity and he is forever Jesus Christ, the God-man. Imagine heaven when he ascended back. Who would dare come up? No one's ever walked, a man's never walked through these doors. Jesus Christ, the God-man, has in his victory. God revealed himself as Yahweh to his people. Now Yahweh has become flesh, has become man, in the person of Jesus Christ, God with us. God with us. So Jesus at this very moment, right now, right now, right now, is ruling as King of kings and Lord of lords over this world. I want you to get this. This is not the devil's world, church. 
We need to hear that. This is not the devil's world. We have given him too much territory. This is not his world. They aren't even his gates. It all belongs to Jesus. He has overcome. And we need to walk in that power, the confidence. Remember, this Messiah was going to come to establish his rule. This, it was victory that we're talking about. Victory, real, tangible victory that the king has overcome. And this is the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, many people could want Christ. They could see his value, his potential to give them great things in this life. Maybe they appreciate him. But here is the real issue. If you're ever talking to someone about Jesus that is, wants nothing to do with him, but they accept that he exists, whatever the case may be, the real issue, this is the heart of the matter here, the real rubber meets the road, if you want to call it that, consideration for them and for us here today. The real issue is the dominion and authority of his kingdom over our life. That's really what it is. His rule and reign over your life. That is the issue. To have Christ is to seek his kingdom, want his kingdom, to have every area of your life under his rule and loving lead. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. And that's the call. We even read about earlier on, take up your, whoever wants to come after me, take up your cross, follow me. Romans 14, as Paul says, there, for to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living, everyone. And so I just want to say this, many think today that they have the power to make Jesus Lord by their choice, to accept, whether they accept him or not. There's this power and pride that maybe we can feel like, I don't need to hail him as Lord or accept him. And so as long as we keep Jesus over here and all of the other life over here and ways of the world over here and they never cross, we can all get along just fine, right? As long as we keep Jesus over here, sure, I'll value and appreciate you, Jesus, right? We can all get along if we only keep Jesus in our hearts. But listen, the moment, friends, the moment you say to somebody, my friend, he is already Lord, and he is ruling and reigning over you now, and you must bow to his lordship while there is still time. He has made peace, reconciliation, and forgiveness possible through the blood of his cross and his glorious resurrection. He has ascended as the God-man and is reigning now until he has put all his enemies under his feet as a footstool for his feet. And he is coming back in power and glory to judge the living and the dead. And that you cannot keep Jesus at bay. You cannot keep silent Jesus anymore in your heart. You can't hit the mute button anymore that you must answer to him now. Because he is the king of kings and lord of lords and he demands your life and allegiance. The conversation might change at that point, right? Because we're not keeping Jesus over here. And we're going to see in a little bit that because he has this rule and authority, God, Christ has called us to go win the nations now because of his authority. And so, yeah, we can all get along fine until you say what we just said. You, you don't have the power to make him Lord. He is Lord of your life, whether you bow to him or not. But he calls you by his love and by his grace. And that was the offense of the apostles' preaching. They went out and they proclaimed, by the way, Caesar is not Lord. He's not Lord. You must bow to this Jesus and serve him with your life. That's the offense. But that's also the power of the gospel, is it not? We can't forget that. Yes, there is offense to the gospel. But Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's the power that many have laid aside today. The power is that Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. And he's a good Lord. He's a good God. He's a good King. He's a loving king, a gracious king, a king that would come down and humble himself and give his life for rebellious sinners and make them children of God. Man, man. 
We see Paul in Acts preaching to pagans, philosophers, very religious folks, all sorts of idolatry, serving unknown gods. What does he say? God is now commanding men that everyone everywhere should repent, turn from your sins, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge this world in righteousness through his son, whom he raised from the dead. We see that all throughout Acts, repentance toward God, faith in Jesus Christ, trust in Jesus Christ, turning from your sin and your idols and looking unto Jesus. That God has raised his Messiah from the dead and he's ruling and is both Lord and King. That's the message. That he is Lord over all, over heaven and earth. And so like we've said, he calls you to turn from your sin and your idols and to bow and surrender to him and to put all of your trust and faith in him now. So these truths we've been looking at Paul lays out in 1 Corinthians 15 as the gospel of the kingdom. You've heard this before. Let's, let's, let's read that. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, starting. But now I make known to you, brothers, the gospel which I proclaimed as good news to you, which also you received and which also you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I proclaimed to you as good news, unless you believe for nothing. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Verse 20, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, after that, those who were Christ at his coming. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. Here it is again. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished is death. He must reign. It's necessary for him to reign, literally. He must reign. Is he reigning now? He's on his throne? He must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. That's where this world's going, by the way. All the enemies will be under the feet of Jesus. We have confidence in that. Power. And I want to say, my friend, if you're an enemy of God now, you don't have to be an enemy of Jesus today. You can turn to him. You can turn to him now. By his life, death, and resurrection and ascension, Jesus brought the kingdom. Now, first, it seemed hidden, right? It seemed hidden at first. Talking about hidden treasure, parables are kind of hidden. A man from Galilee, a carpenter, isn't this just Joseph's son? Right? I mean, just Joseph's son, like, just a carpenter from Galilee. Christ didn't come in a chariot, didn't come in a royal kingly robe. But then he grew. And it was slowly revealed, this was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yahweh has come in flesh and is here. Christ's ministry began. He went everywhere proclaiming what? That the kingdom of heaven was near. Why was it near? Because the king was there. The king was there. Matthew 13 I want to start closing here. I want to get to the application of this because we could go on and on. Like I said, 28 pages of notes. I think you get Christ as king. I think you get that he's ruling. Okay? What does that leave for us? What is our, what is our role now in this? I'm going to say it's to advance this kingdom, to build this kingdom. Right? We're going to look at Matthew 13 for a moment. If you're, if you're still in Matthew, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Matthew 13. Or stay in Matthew 13, verse 31 we'll start at. I'll read a couple more of the parables that I think kind of relate to the parable that, that, I'm, that we're in today with the hidden treasure. Matthew 13, he presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is the smallest of all seeds. But when it is fully grown, it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air might come and nest in its branches. He spoke another parable to them, 
The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three seda of flour until it was all leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. He was not speaking to them without a parable. So that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. A hidden treasure that one gives everything up to have. A mustard seed that begins so small, so small, but turns into a large tree. A little leaven, and this actually leaven here is used positively. You're going to read about leaven as leaven of the Pharisees. Leaven is not always a good thing. A little bit of false teaching gets in there, affects the whole entirety of the loaf. But here, Christ says that the kingdom of heaven is like leaven in a lump of dough that spreads to fill it all. Advancing the kingdom is the church's work. We are his, we are his what? We are his bride, his helper, right? His helpmeet to establish his kingdom and his rule and reign on the earth. What a purpose. What a purpose. You thought, it was just a, you, thought you were just washing dishes at home and making mac and cheese 12 times for the kids, and they don't eat it. Oh, my friends, if you are in Christ's kingdom, you are advancing the kingdom by the little things. It's a mustard seed. If I held up a mustard seed, you wouldn't be able to see it, right? But it's going to grow into a large tree, a huge tree. A little leaven and a lump of dough that spreads and fills it all. This kingdom is ever growing and expanding. And as this world experiences new life in Jesus, the world begins to transform and change. Heaven meets earth. All things new through the gospel. That's our message. And Christ will accomplish this. There's people in your life right now that don't know the Lord. Keep praying. Keep persevering. Christ will be victorious over their life. We're going to pray over that. That the enemy will try to convince us they're too far gone. Look at them. No, no. We have the victory. Christ has come to rule and reign, and I believe he's going to accomplish that. The church is taking down the gates of hell. Taking them down. Jesus has won. We win And he is triumphing over Satan and all his enemies, and the gates of hell will not prevail. What did he say? I will build my church. Get it. I will build my church. Nobody's going to stop me. Nobody. And if you're on King Jesus' side, we share in his victory and his glory and his kingdom. That's something to be excited about. Something to be excited about. Nothing will stop the purposes of God. He reigns. You take it to the bank. He reigns. When Christ ascended, the Holy Spirit was given to his people. Power in a kingdom that grows and grows in the world by the authority of Jesus. You might be thinking, Daniel, this world is a little bit not like you're saying right now. Like, I don't really see how that's going to happen. Um, We'll talk about that in a second. The presence of the Holy Spirit in the preaching of the gospel to regenerate hearts. This is an unseen spiritual kingdom made visible by the church. That's what we're here for. This invisible kingdom we're called to make visible now. In in every area of life. Every area of life. We're not giving any area of life over to the enemy. Why? Because what's the territory that this King Jesus reigns? The whole earth, the earth is Yahweh's and all it contains. All of it is the Lord Jesus's. All of it. And I want to say, do we, do we pray like Jesus? Jesus told his disciples, they asked him to teach us to pray. And so in the gospel according to Matthew, we, we see that, that he tells them now, he said, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, Hallowed be your name. You know, may your name be holy, special, unique, glorious in our lives. So our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know the line. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
do we pray that way? Disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. He said, okay, I'll show you. Your kingdom come, Father. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom is under the rule and lead by the King, the Messiah, God in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want want us to think for a moment of the last 2,000 years of church history, all the gospel advances that have happened. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, That this gospel started in this area, and we're in Cincinnati, Ohio now, talking about King Jesus 2,000 years later. I want to present something to you. Okay, I'm going to leave this scripture Bible over here. I want to just present something to you so you can think about. What if we have 2,000 years more to go? It's a thought to consider. What if we're still, when people look back, what if we're going to be considered the early church? I don't know. What if, what if we're still in the infancy of, the, of this gospel dominion on the earth? There will continue to be martyrs. There could be judgment and nations falling, but the church will stand. The gospel will go forth. If there is thousands of years left, oh my goodness, the small things we do today, it's going to matter. Because we've, we've bought in this, in this idea, generations past, uh, that there's this, man, the world is just going to, and there's some truth to this, but this world is just, is just going to hell in a handbasket. Why bother? Why bother? World's damned. Like, let's, let's, just, let's just get in our bunkers, make sure we have the necessary things we need, and just wait for, wait, let's wait for the kingdom. Let's just wait for Christ to come back. Because any day now, any day now, he's coming. Of course, we know any day he's coming. We, we know that. But we got to look at this in bigger chunks, guys. We can't look at this in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Oh my goodness, Christ is losing. Look at the last 2,000 years. There's been plenty of times in history where people have said, this is the end. I mean, the Black Plague. Everybody died. I mean, surely this is the end. Like... Think of the gospel advances that came after the 1300s. We're here now because of that. So I want, to, I want us to pray about, man, let's, let's start praying about generations ahead. Let's start, let's start doing what? Planting some mustard seeds maybe? Right? Let's start planting those because the promises of the scriptures is that he will reign until all his enemies are under his feet. This is going somewhere. This is going somewhere. Yes, there, there's going to be there's going to be persecution. There's going to be things that happen, right? And even before the end comes, there's going to be this even greater backlash against the Lord. But we have the promises of God that this Messiah was going to come and establish His kingdom, and He will have the victory. He will have the victory. And so, those are thoughts to consider: that the world be won by the King. This light and darkness to Him shall be the obedience of the nations. And this is the promise. This is the promise. And so if you have that idea that, well, the world's not worthy to be bothered with because look at it. You need to read the scriptures more, friends. Look at the narrative. Look at Genesis to Revelation. Look at the promises in the Old Testament. The victory of the Messiah. We see God's favorite Bible verse. He must reign. All his enemies put under his feet as a footstool. This is going somewhere. This world's going somewhere. and We get to be a part of it. We get to be a part of it. Amen. What they're doing to kids' discipleship down there right now, I don't think we realize the importance of that. That's the next generation down there that's going to take this gospel and do and advance this kingdom right here. We have a part to play. If you don't have children, we need gospel father and mothers to pour, we need you to pour into them because this gospel is advancing, it's going somewhere. The world will be won by Christ. And so I want us to remember it's the small things that advance the kingdom. It's the small things. When you work and your body is tired and your bones are aching and you're broken, but you do it all for the glory of God, you're advancing the kingdom. You're disarming the rulers and the authorities. You're helping Jesus crush Satan under his feet even more. Every time... You change diapers and cook meals for your family and faithfully love and serve your spouse. You are advancing the kingdom. When we come and gather with God's people in worship, we're tearing down the gates of hell. Because we're saying Jesus is Lord. 
and he is king. We're tearing down the gates of hell, and his kingdom is advancing. It's the small things. Don't grow weary of doing good. The day in, the day out, the grind. Your life matters, and it's going somewhere. It's the small things. Make that mac and cheese for the glory of God. Do the dishes. I need to do the dishes more. I'm sorry. I need to run myself. Man, if I do the dishes in love and service for my spouse, I'm advancing his kingdom, and I'm establishing justice on the earth. It's not just dishes, friends. That's what I'm here to tell you. It's a treasure. It's the kingdom. It's Jesus. Every time you pray for somebody, you invest in their life. You sow a seed. You water. You are advancing the kingdom. Every time you give someone a word of encouragement, you're advancing the kingdom. Every time you bear each other's burdens, you're advancing the kingdom. When we take communion here in a minute, and it's been a rough week for you, and you surrender in repentance to God yet again, and you're broken, you ask God to heal you and to forgive you and to make things right again, you are advancing the kingdom. You are advancing the kingdom. This matters what we're doing here, friends, brothers and sisters. We're making a statement right now that we believe that Jesus has won, will win, will continue to win, and his kingdom will advance in our lives and in the world. That's what we're making. We're making, you're making a statement here by being today. That's why it matters. We can't just always sit on the couch and watch the live stream. We got to be here and encourage and see each other face to face and encourage I want to encourage my brothers and my sisters, you are advancing the kingdom. Keep going. Keep going. Generations are going to feel what you're doing today. When you go home and make that lunch, when you go home and you love your kids, when you go home and you devote the time to to, to praying for those in your family, when you invest that time, man, you're advancing the kingdom. There are no little missions, no small work in this kingdom. So keep pressing on, saints. What you do today and day out, like I said, will we'll matter generations later. Pray over your kids and their kids and their kids and their kids and their kids. Don't stop until Jesus comes back when all his enemies are under his feet. Teach your kids to pray for their kids. We've got to think bigger. Because I believe the promises of God, that his gospel wins. I believe this isn't, I mean, you can make a case for this in the scriptures. I'm with Spurgeon on this, that he believed at the very end of it all, there's going to be more that love Jesus and surrender to him than there's more that, than those that haven't. The promise to Abraham was, man, the stars in the sky, the sand, so many innumerable, you read in Revelation, he wins. He went, so don't, don't buy the lie that oh, don't do anything because the world's just, just let the world do their thing. We'll keep Jesus over here. Bring the kingdom into the world. Yeah. Bring, bring him in. Don't just keep Christ here. Bring him out and say, there's a God who loves you and he's Lord and King over your life. Why well, don't believe in him? It doesn't matter. Surrender to him because this is his kingdom. You're living in his kingdom. The air you breathe, the food you eat is a blessing of grace on your life. Don't you want to know who's given you all that? Don't you want to know the beauty and this treasure? That the good things you have in life are from him, even though you're his enemy now? He's so good. How much, how much greater is he even to those who are his sons and his daughters? What will he withhold from you if you'll just but ask for power and for strength to take his kingdom into the world? I want to send us off with you can turn there if you'd like. Matthew, Matthew 28. If you have your Bibles, let's turn there. This is, this, is the, this is the big epic finale of the gospel according to Matthew. Sometimes we need to read the Bible more, especially Matthew with more Jewish eyes. When they have read what we're about to read now, they know what was being said right here. There's power in what we're about to read. This is the mission. This is the call. This is the promise. Let's read it together. Matthew 
Chapter 28, starting at verse 18. I shall start at verse, start at verse 16. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to keep all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's how Matthew ends his gospel. That's where we're going to end here. All authority has been given. Everything you need has been given. Because there's a king who is reigning now. And he said, because of this reality, because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, go. And what's the promise? I will be with you as you establish my kingdom in this broken world. Jesus wins. Don't lose hope. He is the king of kings. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that is in these scriptures. We thank you, Lord, that you are king of all kings, Lord of all lords, that you have come to save us and to bring us into your kingdom. Though once in darkness, you have brought a great light. And by faith and trust in you, you have transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into your kingdom. So I thank you, God. I thank you for these truths. That we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be afraid. Because, Lord, this is your world. This is your gospel. This is your victory. And you win. So, Lord, help us to see that. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see this kingdom and what you're doing in the earth that you are not finished yet, God. So we ask that you'd give us strength and power, wisdom as we navigate this world, and that we would do all things for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.org.